And we ask for your blessing to be upon uh, the message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, David. Appreciate that. All right. Awesome. Great, great. Woo, yeah. Thank you. We covered your prayers, the five of us going on the Israel trip. Uh, David and Donna Eaton, we've got Lynn Price and Vicki LeMay and myself. We're joining around 20 people from Henry Christian Church leaving Tuesday. So we'll, we'll send out a, an email this week, a few things to remember to pray for us. But, you know, the Lord will lead you. You just pray for us. We're very excited about it. Um, we've also got coming up here, thought I had my card with me, a, a um, May 4th National Day of Prayer. We have these cards out there in the uh, gathering place. I'm going to be gone for, you know, a couple weeks, so I'm going to need you to go ahead and grab some of those cards, take them to places where you go, friends and stores and things, and give that uh, card over uh, to people or stacks of them, you know, take a stack with you and over these next couple weeks and promote that. Uh, This is the third time we've done this. With the number of pastors coming together, we had um, over a hundred, maybe 115 people there downtown Shelbyville. We pray for Shelby County uh, more specifically, and I want to tell you, I was like, Lord, I sense your presence here. I felt His intercessory praying Holy Spirit there, and I'm like, you're. This is more than just uh, you know celebrating unity in the body of Christ. This is powerful prayer right now. And he loves unity in the body of Christ, right? And when we pray in unity together, he just anoints it that much more. So I really want you to put that as a high priority uh, to be there. Um, We're having uh, a meeting today, uh, this afternoon after church, for our Praise Team Tech Team. And I just want to say thank you, Praise Team Tech Team. You are tremendous. We're growing. You guys give of yourself. And uh, we are just going into a time of training and unifying us and really uh, see the Lord take us to another level in worship. Can we give them a big hand because they serve us so well and, and with their whole hearts. Wow. Excellent, excellent. So this um, series that we've been in, All In, uh, of I've had... This will be a third part specifically with this title. We've really started in January with this theme of catching the harvest. And this is the most important series, I believe, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I, I believe it's true. The most important series that I've taught since I've been here for 10 years. And this is a series that is setting us up to launch us for our future, to be in step with God is doing the earth, and to catch his harvest. Now, this particular message is a part three for me, and it's really a culmination of these, of what I've been trying to put together. So, for me, this is like the, the most important message of the series. Um, but I have to say that every Easter is, feels like the most important message of my life, you know. And, and it's, that's the way it needs to be, because when we are celebrating the resurrected Christ, the whole reason for our faith, our foundation to say, yes, I believe and he is real, that's the resurrection. So every Easter is my most important message that I ever preached. 
And, and many times I, I come up here and I'm like, Lord, I've got to, this message, I've got to, this is before I die, just let me live through Sunday so I can get through this. I mean, I feel that really often. And, and that's what God does. He burns these things in our hearts uh, before we try to give them away. So it's been <laughs> March 5th was the part one of All In. So that's over a month ago. Okay, so I do need to spend a few minutes of just recapping part one and part two before we get into part three today. So let me do that. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you that your word is here. It's, it's by your spirit and hearts, but we have your written word, and it feeds us. It, it strengthens us. And so today, as we gather corporately together, we believe that, Lord, your word, the truths of your word are going to transform us today, that we can glorify you that much more. Amen. So the first part was upward. That's our vertical. We're abandoned to God. And uh, that was this, this heart of starting this three-part series. I actually, and because it was so real and it still is, uh, spoke about the Asbury Revival and that I watched and saw three signs of revival that were happening. And, you know, there's still just amazing things happening around the country and the world. Uh, and it's, it's not just about Wilmore. It's, it's beyond that. God is working in the earth. And, uh, but worship is a sign of revival uh, that we saw. We, wanna, we want to, hey, this Friday, be here. Just come for worship and uh, put your watch down. I don't care how long it goes. Just Come for worship. Number two, there's humble confession. And these signs are often what we've seen too in other waves of the Spirit in revival seasons, but this is something that I was seeing at at Wilmore and Asbury. Uh, Confession of sin, repenting, turn away, where believers, you know, just let the Holy Spirit be, be really, you know, honest and get down to where He wants to transform us. And then a third one I put down is seek continual consecration and sanctification. That is this, this heart for holiness. And I just, uh, you know, love this image uh, from uh, the Asbury Chapel. They have this phrase that's been there, uh, you know, for, I think it's been there for well over 100 years when they first built this, this old auditorium, holiness unto the Lord. And God has honored that prayer, that, that um, cry to him, holiness unto the Lord, and he's had several of these outpourings in that chapel. It might be because of those three full words uh, that are there before heaven. And, uh, and, and it, of course, it's from the heart of the people, and he hears their prayers. And one verse that just nails this on the head is out of Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, one of the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who, are, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I just, I just want to pray over that verse right now. Lord, we want to be a people. We, we want more hunger, so we ask for it. We ask for you to help us with that. Grace us for more hunger and thirst for your nature. Your nature is righteousness. Your nature is holiness. We want to be filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. It's your Spirit. Thank you, Father. Even now, even today. 
And then we also talked about these are things we want to give to others, and you can't give away something that you don't have. And so it's so important for us to stay humble and stay in this pursuit of holiness. The second part of the series is, is inward. And that inward was the relational inward relationships here. It's very horizontal. It's about our uh, family of God, and it's about people. So we're abandoned to God. We're also compassion toward people, uh, first to the body of Christ, and then beyond that in our community and those outside uh, in, in our community. And uh, in this, again, was happening at this Asbury revival, there was so many testimonies of relationships being restored and people obeying God in forgiveness toward others and, and forgiving one another and just ending, you know, meet months, years of, of division in, in friendships and family relationships and this love, this, this just watching this love flow. And that's what God wants on a regular basis, not just during a revival season, right, for us. And I love it that we call ourselves the Living Waters family because I believe that. It's biblical, it's true, it's real. And, and I like that we remind ourselves of that. Uh, we are a human body connected together, and you see these, these uh, biological charts of all these systems. There's 11 uh, types of systems of organ systems and things in our body and uh, we did a little calculation that sunday 206 bones 650 muscles 78 organs is 934 different distinct parts of our human body and they're all connected together so let's just review a few verses from first corinthians 12 to let this sink in because it is valuable uh in our lives and in this in this um uh, um, uh, series. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18 through 22, it says, But now God has set members, each one of them in the body, just as he was pleased. Now, let me stop there. Because this body, these, this, is, this is Paul. Each one of these letters in the New Testament, it has Corinthians and Ephesians and Galatians. These are people, Christian groups in a city. So the city of Corinth had the people of Corinth, the Corinthians. He wrote two letters there, First and Second Corinthians, and he's speaking to them. It's a local church that often met in, because they maybe they too big for one house church, they met in different houses, and he's speaking to this local church. And so that's what you need to realize that he, God, connects us together. And he sets the members, each one of them, in the body just as he, but, uh, he is pleased. So he's pleased that you're in the Living Waters family. He sets you in this family. And there are more that God wants to set in this family. There's some that he's setting in the family right now. And there's a process of that happening. We're going to get a feel for that today. There's a, the way that this happens all over in all local churches everywhere. When someone becomes part of a family, there's this process and steps that happen. Let's keep reading these verses, verse 19. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. 
And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And as soon as someone says, I I don't need you, there's division that comes, right? There's distance that comes. And he even says in in several more verses, that's talking about the weaker vessel, the weaker member of the body is, is the one that's, uh, you know, dishonor needs to be honored. And so it's a, it's a flip on the world's thinking because the weaker parts are that much more necessary. So I want to say to us that those baby Christians that God gives us, those new believers, those who are seeking God, those that seem weaker spiritually because they're just brand new to everything, they are necessary to us. They're necessary in the body of Christ. We need them. We want them in our life. We want them in a, uh, in, in, in connected to them. And, hey, well, what, you know, they're brand new. What can they offer? They're offering you the opportunity and the privilege to be a part of the discipling ministry to them. You have an, an opportunity from heaven to disciple them. You, this is what we need, folks, as mature believers. We can miss out on this pretty easily by going, getting busy in other wonderful things in the kingdom of God. So I ask you, what part of you uh, are you in the body of Christ and are you connected? Are you linked in? Because if a body of Christ is not, uh, part is not connected, it will, it will wither and die. If, you, if the arm is disconnected, it's going to die real quick. And I believe that phrase from the very beginning of creation, it is not good for man to be alone, is a true principle right here in 1 Corinthians 12, that if a a body part, a piece of the body of Christ seeks and tries to be alone, it is not good. It cannot survive. We've really seen this that much more intense during the pandemic, and I've seen this with my own two eyes. It's heartbreaking, but isolation became a pattern in many people's and Christians' lives. And what happened is they started having, because they stopped fellowshipping and connecting with the body of Christ, they started having doubt. They started having discouragement, depression, and even a group, not just distance from the church family, but a distance from God. There have been many that have walked away from the Lord during this pandemic because they isolated themselves. They were part of the body and then they were alone. I want to tell you, we have some enriched, uh, very um, up, uplifting, encouraging small groups. Just to give you a list of a few that are happening right now. We've got a Thursday night men's group that's been going on for several centuries. No, I mean, maybe just three decades. I'm not sure. But it's, that is a testimony of the faithfulness to one another, where there are strong friendships that uh, are, are that. Um, or forged there. You're welcome to be a part of that. Wednesday morning men's Bible study at the farm kitchen. Great food, 6 a.m. on Wednesday. And that is Bible studies that go at the pace of the newer believers in the group. And we keep them small, like uh, three and four sizes, so we can work through a chapter of Scripture together. There's two women's phone prayer groups going on right now. There's a women's scripture texting group going right now where they read a chapter of the scripture and uh, then they, they uh, comment on that on the thread there. 
And so there's ways to help you to get connected. We have life groups that are going on right now. Anderson Shelby County Mix, the Conti's Life Group. Uh, Shelby County, one with uh, mostly uh, there in Shelby County, Linda Razor, Mary Younger uh, lead that. There's the Bates Life Group, mostly Shelby County people and the Frankfurt Life Group that the Southerns leads. And we want to see those grow and multiply. So God is providing a lot of this. And now we're going to part three outwards. Thank you for letting me do all that, get us in that flow again. I appreciate it. The main text today is out of 1 Corinthians 4. I want you to, you know, get that open or get your phone open and, and, uh, and follow along here. 1 Corinthians 4, we're going to start reading at verse 14 and read several verses. And... He is telling the Corinthians here, he says, I'm going to give you a warning. I'm going to give you a warning because there's something uh, that, um, here, take the scripture down. I want them to start reading yet. Because there's something I am going to tell you that you're, you're not aware of. It's, it's a little tricky, and I'm going, to, I'm going to, you know, point out something that's very important, but you're not catching it. You're not realizing it. And he has just gone through a few verses before this explaining what he's gone through as an apostle, as a leader in the body of Christ to serve them and, and, and to bring them into salvation. He goes through, you know, I have, we have just been uh, unjustly, you know, uh, uh, suffered this and that and we've gone in and yet we've stayed true. We've stayed uh, humble and we've stayed pure through all the suffering we've gone through as leaders to be this for you. So let's go to verse 14. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. So let's just stop there for a moment. I read that and I'm going, what is he making a big deal at? He's warning them, and he's saying, I don't, I'm not going to shame you. I'm not, I'm not condemning you here, but I, I need to warn you, warn you. And he uses, he's in the family motif of, of, of the Bible. My beloved children. See, when you, the moment you say yes to Jesus, I want him in my heart. I want to uh, have Jesus, my Lord. You suddenly become a child of God. You're in the, the, the family of light instead, the family of darkness, a child of the devil. You're a child of God, of God the Father. And, and he's saying, I, you're, you know, he's calling them children. Why does he do that? Well, because of this, this verse. He said, you might have a, a 10,000 instructors, some of yours says tutors or guardians, you, yet you do not have many fathers. Now, I had to do a little... Um, kind of history about this and, and what this was in the Greek world, uh, those who could afford it would hire a tutor or an instructor to train up their young people to be ready, you know, for their, their adult life and their career and so forth. And it was very businesslike. It was, it was serious. It was very instructional. It was, it was uh, you know, to, to prepare, prepare them. But it, 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 it had a businesslike arrangement to them. These were paid and he says, yet you do not have many fathers. 
He's trying to shake them up. I warn you, this is serious. You don't realize that you think you have all these instructors and, and, and teachers in the body of Christ for you. But let me tell you, it's not what you really need. You don't have many fathers. I'm warning you, this is serious. And he says, for in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. I have made you a child of mine through the gospel. So I want to say to us, living waters, let's not be in this same uh, uh, blindness, this same just kind of going about, hey, everything's great. You know, I'm learning this. I'm, I'm studying this. And I'm, this is a teacher for me. And I love following this teacher. And I love this. And we study this. And, and yet you don't have the ministry of the spiritual father, spiritual mother in your life. And you could be missing out on this opportunity to be one. Because it is a missing out. It is an unfortunate to die and go to heaven, have a good Christian experience because there were so many good blessings. And then you go to heaven, oh, I, I, I just left something out of my life. I could have had this. this could, I could have been a mentor. I could have been someone who gave myself away in discipleship. And in here, it didn't happen. I'm, it's, and yet, you know, heaven's going to be great. And he wipes away our, our tears and our regrets. Verse 16 and 17. He gives us an image real quick of what this spiritual fatherhood and motherhood looks like. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. So that's it. They, they, what he's revealing uh, his, what's, what he's learned, and, and he's letting them see that they're in relationship. Verse 17, for this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son. There it is, this whole son and daughter family relationship in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every ter- church. So he couldn't go there, so he sends a, another human to say, I, you, here's my beloved son, you imitate him and you imitate me. And so this is part of what spiritual fatherhood and motherhood are like. And I want to say, Living Waters folks, uh, you have walked in the word well. You have prayed well. You have learned and you have executed the uh, the instructions and com- the commands of the Lord. You are more than ready to this. You we you are ready to be launched as spiritual mothers and fathers. And you know it's a it's a growing relationship. You just don't step in a spiritual father mother relationship in a day, right? It's something that just happens over time. But you have to start somewhere. You have to start in a relationship with someone. And this is the whole mindset of the New Testament way of discipleship. I want to just spend a a little bit of time on a few verses. I'm going to kind of go through them quickly to to see how this other term, family term, brethren, and brothers and sisters in Christ is really valuable. It fits along with this. First Peter chapter 1 verse 22 says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. So I ask you, just look at yourself. Are you loving one another fervently? It's, fervently is a, it gets your attention. That's an active way of loving. That's 
with one another. So it's one person at a time. It's one person at a time. Are you engaging? This is with the brethren. So those are brothers and sisters in Christ loving fervently. This is an instruction from a New Testament model God wants for his spiritual families. It's a sincere love. It's a it's a brother and sister. And, you know, when you in your your family, your natural family, brothers and sisters, you know, you just got to love them as they are. Right. You've known them for years, your blood. So you love them. And at times, you know exactly, you know, where they're coming from and you're frustrated and, you know, but we're family. So we're committed. So there's a an innate just loyalty when you're in an immediate family, brothers and sisters that that you have growing up together. And you say, well, it's, it's my brother. It's my I mean, you know, we we help each other It's what we do. We're family. That same mindset God wants in a spiritual family with one another. And Jesus gets in on this action. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 17. He says, and if we're children, then we're also heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Yes, there's suffering in life, and that's part of our loyalty to Christ, is we, we stay faithful to that. And we're a faithful son and daughter of the king. And, but he says, we're joint heirs with Christ. So Jesus Christ, the capital S-O-N, capital S, he is receiving inheritance from his father because of his obedience through the death and resurrection of Christ. He receives his inheritance. He says, hey, we're joint heirs with this capital S of God. So we're little S and little D's for daughters, little sons and daughters, but we get in on this inheritance. We get to receive these promises of God, it's given to us freely because we're in the family. We're part of the family. We're part of the inheritance. We're listed in the will. And that will is an abundant grace that whatever we need, God provides for us in that situation. And this grace impacts us for eternity. Some scholars and Bible teachers will call Jesus the elder brother because we're joint heirs in the next verse, Romans eight twenty nine. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So it is biblically accurate to call Jesus our elder brother. We're, we're brothers with Jesus, and we're brothers and sisters with one another, and we have a father together, and, and we receive this inheritance. We're one big happy family, aren't we? You know, I didn't have an older brother. I had older sisters, and they were really good to me, actually. You know, they were really good to me. But, you know, you see, I hear all these stories about uh, elder brothers, and I watch it with my sons, and, and it can be rough to have an elder brother in the family. But he's not like that. He's always about building us up and taking us somewhere. Now, I got a hand clap on that one? What was that about? John, do you have some older brothers? all right well we might need you to uh, share some of the stories with us sometime i want to go into some illustrations some examples here about this family god this real privilege that we are in this family and this this how god sets each member in the family first corinthians 12 18 
And I'm just going to start off with sharing something that came on a, uh, you know, we have these connect cards that we ask first and second time guests to fill out. And this uh, lady, a single lady came, visited in November. And in the, there's a box at the bottom of the card and it says, um, you know, how can we be praying for you? And she said, just one simple sentence, new friends that lead me closer to God again. Yeah, go ahead and put that up there. Let's stick in some more. New friends that lead me closer to God again. That, that was her prayer. From a guest back in November. That is a great definition of the church. That this describes about us being a family and someone getting set into the body and becoming connected with the other body parts and being part of a family. I was in a seminar back in the 90s um, at, at Asbury Seminary. I was a student there, and uh, I was a Master of Divinity student but took uh, occasional youth ministry or family ministry uh, courses when I could. And one was a seminar on campus. You get it like one hour credit, and, and this guy was a guy who written books and all this. He was really good. And, and he had three things. He said, you, can, you know you're busy if these three things are true in your life, and I'm sorry, I can't remember all three. <laughs> it was in like 1995, okay? So that's like, you know, 28 years ago. But this one of his points stuck with me. I've never heard anyone bring this kind of point up before. He says, you're too busy if you don't have enough time to develop new friends. Wow. That's something. And I can remember, uh, you know, having, this is like here uh, among a ladies group here, like six, seven years ago, it was a long time ago, about, you know, the relationships and, and connecting and, and supporting one, other, one another and, uh, and kind of open that up uh, in new ways. And, and I had a couple of ladies after that discussion come to me and say, oh, Stephen, I've, I've already, this is already true for me. Anytime I have you know, extra prayer need, I just, I just text this person and this person and, and text them, and we, and we just, you know, and, and she was just, just felt really good, and I'm glad. It's like, it's happening. You're experiencing what God wants you to experience, and yet if she had no, uh, uh, you know, intention to open it up that to new people. And I'm saying, you have treasure. You have experience with this. You've already did, done this. You've lived this out. Now, you know, can you just open that up to a new person? So these things are things that God is, is wanting to put in us, and it relates directly to the harvest. I've repeated, because I love it so much, this, this statement that Philip um, had in his message of, of just over a month ago. It's, it says, refuse to perpetuate a no-harvest culture and prolong the famine of souls. Because I have really studied this, and there is this thing that every local church kind of ha- develops a culture. 
And as I studied church history in America, the mainline denominational movement, they were, uh, in, in, in particularly evangelical uh, mainline uh, churches, they were booming back in the, uh, in, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And just popping up everywhere and growing and reaching people for Christ. And something happened where that culture became a no-harvest culture. And I think four of the five mainline denominations are all shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. The Pentecostal movement that, brought, uh, that broke out in 19, like, 01, as Susie Street Revival, and started Pentecostal movement in, in churches and denominations, it was the same type thing. A, a no-harvest culture developed, even though they're... The hearts for worship and, and the word was still good, but at about a half a century, they started dwindling in numbers. Then the charismatic movement came in the 70s and 80s, and we boomed and we've grown, and local churches uh, like ours started in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, and, and just boomed across this country and the world. But it's been about 20 years that charismatic local church numbers have been declining. And a no-harvest culture just gets accepted because there's so many rich and good things happening in our own lives personally. And it prolongs the famine of souls. That phrase reminds me of a phrase that uh, Joe League, our pastor, would would tell at, at maybe a staff meeting or a little couple of leaders here and there, just every couple of years, he would just be honest and say, I am haunted by the dry baptistry. That as a pastor, and he was passionate about evangelism as well, we, we want it splashing wet oh, it's every week. And as one of the elders here and the, the three of us elders, Philip Whitehead, Fred Bates, and myself, we've been really walking in unity here. And it's really been since my sabbatical in 2019 pulling these things together. We, it, it's not that we don't want to perpetuate a no-harvest culture. We don't want to tolerate it anymore. It is not according to God's way and his will for us. And that's why we're coming to this place where we must obey God's word in discipleship and offering that to our community. It is our responsibility in the fear of God to teach you the word and to model the word. That as elders, we are under shepherds, under the chief shepherd Jesus. And Peter says, I'm one of your, a fellow under shepherd together with you, to guide the sheep. And that's what Paul called himself as a shepherd. We guide, we teach, and we correct the sheep. This is what we're doing, folks. We're getting us aligned in unity as a flock of sheep under the chief shepherd to get us ready to, for the harvest. I want to tell you, the harvest is here. There's about... Um, you know, one of the things that, that I need help from you, and I'm, I'll be giving some practical ways to, to jump in and into these, this relational discipleship, it's a simple function, but it, it's, it's got to be done. So I've got about eight, nine or so names of people that I 
track to see if they've come back a second time for another service, to see if they want to engage more in uh, perhaps a small group or learn more. Where are they at in this journey of pursuing God? Last year, that would have been one, two, or three names. This year, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're getting into those eights, nines, and tens. This is exciting. I need some help. I need some of you to be a part of that and help me with that. And you, 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 you make some texts and phone calls, and you help them get connected to Grow Track Session 1 so then they can learn more about the church and, and learn, learn more about discipleship. So this is an exciting time. I had this message was, was, was to be preached four weeks ago. And if you remember that message, I was gone. Uh, Brandon and uh, Watkins, uh, David Skaggs shared. Philip was uh, uh, sharing as well. And, and Morgan Shad, uh, Shadbolt shared. Did I say the last name right? Okay, thank you. And she and her and I talked before that, and I told her my theme and my message and so forth. And she said, yeah, I'd be glad to share. Well, she works on Sundays sometimes, so I just said, let her share. And so... Here, it was this message I was going to have her share, her testimony, incredible testimony. God is doing amazing things in her life. She is out of a six-month recovery program. Now she's in her apartment with a couple of friends starting a new job. And so she's in the middle of a new transition in her life. And she told me, I have friends in recovery, but I also want friends who are not in recovery. And those, those friendships are so important, and, and it's Awake Ministries does incredible, uh, you know, excellent work. I'm so glad we, we're connected more than ever to them. And, um, and, and so it's good work, and there's certain, you know, those are good discipling relationships there. But she said, I, I'm trying to, you know, live a new life, new friendships. And, and, um, and so... Here it is. Morgan is saying, I, like that other lady back in November, I want new friends that will help me grow closer to God again. It's simple, isn't it? And it takes an action from us. So the term that is used for this kind of principle was something is, is out here and then gets gets in the middle of things is assimilation. And, you know, now they have, you know, church uh, seminars on assimilation. This is a critical piece of the function of a local church. And it's been around a long time. George Whitfield and John Wesley back in the 1700s, they were out of England. And there was a an awakening, a powerful move of the Spirit where people are getting saved and the Spirit of God is moving. Just, and, and they were preaching in open-air areas, hundreds, even thousands of people getting saved. And George Whitfield was actually the better of the two speakers, if you're comparing them. George was unmatched in his speaking ability. The power of God would move through. He was so eloquent. And, uh, and George ended up going to the States and preaching the States. And the first great awakening, if you study this, happened when George was here uh, and, and along with others in this uh, in, uh, 1730s, 40s, and 50s in there. And, and there were these just massive uh, areas. Was the Paris Revival part of that one or the 1800s, the second great awakening? Who can tell me that? 
Anyway, we had that in Kentucky, going on in Kentucky. But they've done studies, and I was a Asbury Seminary graduate, so we particularly studied Wesleyan theology and the teachings of John Wesley, but also his practices. And they looked back at these incredible revivals and, and, and speaking ministries. Well, guess what? John Wesley did something different that George did not. And John would require that there would have to be, they called them class, uh, uh, class societies or uh, society groups, would have to be started if he was going to be preaching there, bring his preaching team. And these were small groups. These were accountability prayer groups, and they were like really had a list, you know, worked down a list of sins. I mean, they were really direct with it. And when where John Wesley brought that structure, then the fruit lasted. The people became closer to God. That spread to more people in that in that town and that region of the country. And but George Wilfield, though he attracted more people and had more amazing. Benjamin Franklin even wrote about how spellbound he was at George's preaching. Benjamin didn't have a record of him really giving his heart to Christ, per se, in a, in a, in a dramatic way, but he was impacted by the, the ability, skill, and, and the presence of God, I'm sure. But where George preached, the fruit didn't last as much, and sometimes not very much at all. Billy Graham knew this. Brother Graham is no dummy. And when he would do his evangelism crusades months before that, he had teams meeting with pastors in local churches to get prayer going and to get volunteers to pray for those new salvations and then connect the ne- that following week, like the next day or whatever. You know, they had this system and said, we, we won't come here unless we can have these this whole follow-up with local churches, one-on-one connections, and that's how they did their... It wasn't just him preaching a mighty... Well, he was great, right? He was anointed, but he was wise, and he put into place this follow-up relational connecting so that discipleship could begin. I've had a lot of fun this last week. I've given away three Bibles to people that didn't have them or never had one. You know how fun that is? You know what a privilege it is to open God's word and say, hey, this is, here's the Old Testament, here's the New Testament, and just go, don't start reading in Genesis, right? You'll get stuck quickly in Leviticus. Get to the Gospels and just go, you know how much fun that is? Well, I need some help with that because I'm praying and believing we're going to be giving out Bibles every week, folks. And we, you need a little meeting. I need a, a, a team of a few people who will say, yes, I'll go and, and, and I'll bring my journal and show what I, how, you know, what, how I take notes. And you're just giving them a, an, a, a, some basic steps of devotions at home. Talking to a ministry friend in Shelbyville who, um, um, uh, uh, I'll, I'll just tell you, it was Gerald Terrell, a father's love, and a father's love, young woman, a mother, young mother got saved, and she went to her church, got water baptized, and there was a class available, but there were no relationships that reached out to her. He was so disheartened. Here's this fresh new believer, and she needs a big sister, a uh, 
uh, a spiritual, you know, it just starts small, right? You're just a mentor, you're a helper, you give support, you're connecting. And then over time, relationship big, it builds and you really feel that sisterhood and big sisterhood and mentoring and, and, and one day spiritual mothering. We are going to really hone in on these practical things I'm going to give here in, in a minute to, to let you know the type of net we want to cast to catch the harvest. And, and we're going to break that down and, and really have you ready and, and, and knowing how to help you make a decision in these vision home groups that we're setting up. We hope that we can get them done in the month of May. And uh, I'm, I'm just, um, you know, really excited about that. It's going to be fun. It's going to have some refreshments. We're going to have some interaction time and some, and some fun time in it. But one of the scriptures we're going to go to is Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And we're going to look at this scripture in this home group setting and break it down for you and how it relates to invite, invest, and involve. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Next verse. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. This is God's command. He puts in the form of a mission, and this is your co-mission. This is for you to go, take this mission, obey uh, this, this resurrected Jesus He's now, then he goes up to heaven. This is his last words as the resurrected Lord, his feet on the ground, and then he lifts off and he goes to heaven. We don't want to miss out on this command. We don't want to be a believer and go, well, I just had such an enriching walk with Christ and you actually missed with this great command that he lives, leaves with us. I'm going to go through a handful of list of things right now that are very practical. And I, I thank God that we are so ready for this. We're beyond ready. We're over-equipped. We're over-qualified. We are beyond ready. And, and we don't want to delay anymore because, like I said, I got, you know, seven or eight people right now, and I believe that number is going to grow, that are, you know, have an interest. You offer something. You can't force anything, right? You just offer relational discipleship and so we're we're running a little behind i wish we had these things already up and going but in catching the harvest we need that basic bible introduction like i said you 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 might be just you and a one-on-one or just a couple people a couple friends together get a a couple people and go through hey this is the basics of the bible and this is how you can a good place to start and reading it's simple we will help you prepare for that you've already heard me say um that we want to have an ALC connection for um, uh, ladies that visit from, a, that's a loving choice, our pregnancy center here in Shelbyville. And she's, you know, waiting to hear back from us. And I'm, I'm looking for several ladies to team up with Kayla. Kayla's willing to uh, be a part of that and, and, and spearhead that little team to be available for that. Here's a real important one. It's kind of our bread and butter is D groups. D groups are Bible studies of men only and women only. They're small, like three, fours, and fives. And as they grow to six, seven, and eight, you multiply them. And so that every person has a chance 
to ask a question or share something that, hey, I read this, this really stuck out to me. I really like this. And you, every person can have a chance to share as the Holy Spirit is revealing himself through his word. I want to start, uh, uh, have a new men and women one in, in, in the Frankfurt Anderson County one and a new men's and women's one in the Shelby County area. At least, minimum. There's a, some more lists at times. There's going to be someone that just needs to hear the foundations of the faith. It can be like a one-on-one or two-on-one where you just, you know, go through. a. Uh, it's just, We have simple booklets that just take, hey, six, eight sessions. It's, it's simple stuff. But it's for the harvest, walking with them in these young baby steps. And then they start making bigger steps. And really quickly, they'll be doing the same thing to them, to a friend that, that's recently given their heart to the Lord and they'll be sharing just weeks away themselves. We want to make adjustments in our life groups that, to have more access to new people and have an approach of outreach for new people. There's a couple of ladies' phone groups and texting groups that might be the busy mom's lifestyle way to help them to connect with us is through that. And that's, that's valuable when a busy mom can't be doing but so much. The grow track assimilation is what I've already mentioned, where I need just someone to, you know, several, two or three people to help me track our new people and help them get assimilated. I'm going to ask everybody to stand as we uh, get into this last song here and, and dismiss Lord Jesus. We're all in to your great commission. We say yes to your commands to us. And so right now, Lord, we're saying, yes, Lord. Now, Lord, we're asking some real practical, well, how, how, where, and, and I believe we're at a place where we have the next steps for each one of us. We're more than ready for this. I'm so grateful for the maturity level in the word and prayer of living waters. I, and I was counting it up with the board the other day looking. I think we need around 25 or so new volunteers in these areas of relational ministry. And we're saying, okay, Lord of the harvest. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we've got a net. We've got a net to catch those new believers, those new babes in Christ, we're ready. We have a net. We're ready. We're ready for the harvest. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you've done in our hearts and lives. You set us free. Oh, Lord, we don't want to withhold that from anyone. We want to shatter on the mountaintops, the rooftops. We want to sit down with the one-on-one and share our testimony and share Lord God we're, we have so much to be thankful for and grateful for and we don't want to keep it to ourselves we want to share it with others help us get in these little groupings Lord these, these connections we have so much to thank him for praise him for and then therefore we just want it to spill over to new people. Lord, empower us in these next steps to say yes to all in.
we have people here available for prayer about anything. Online, we have a phone number that will go up for Sunday morning for the next 30 minutes. I'm going to say a salvation prayer. I'm going to ask all of us to say it together. And if you say this prayer the first time or you say it because you've been away a distant for a number of years from the Lord and you want to start afresh, this prayer is for you. Let's say it together. Dear Lord Jesus, I don't want to be far from you any longer. I turn away from my sin and I turn towards you. Come into my heart. Through your blood, cleanse me. I believe in your resurrection. I believe I'm a child of God now. I'm so glad I'm in your family now. You're my big brother. And my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Lord. Let's ask the Lord. Father, we pray this morning or here online, someone gave their heart to Christ, their new believer. Let's give a hand clap to the Lord for the harvest.